for Fun Podcast. I'm your host, Mishka Katkoff, and today I'm joined by Afer Yehudai, president of Fiber. Now, Fiber is a publicly listed ad tech company, but don't worry, we're not going to talk about ad tech in this podcast. We're going to talk about a company turnaround. You see, Fiber was struggling for years, but is now growing faster than the market. So in this podcast, we're going to focus on how do you set a North Star? How do you find champions to lead the change? And when do you change people that are not eager to change with the company's need to change? A lot of change. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about Offer's learnings uh, as he has been driving this, this transformation of fiber. And we're going to also talk about what he'd do differently if he knew what he knows now but could start all over again. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I, I remind you to subscribe and rate the podcast. That's much appreciated. And also, what's appreciated is our sponsors. So before we jump in with the discussion, with our discussion with Offer, a short message from our sponsors. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppSlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppSlyer's latest product, the Incrementality Solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppSlyer's Incrementality Solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest you head out to appsliers.com. We pretty much use just about every single product that uh, Iron Source offers. We're, we're completely integrated with the platform. Of course, the mediation products, all ad, ad products, and a company that can assist us in doing UA and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it. It takes a lot of uh, headache away from us. It takes a lot of the hard, busy work off of our hands, having a kind of an all-in-one platform. You just heard Andrew Stone. He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who use IronSource's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on IronSource's website. That's ironsrc.com. Hello, Offer, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, buddy, how are you? Great to be here. Oh, that's good. That's good. So let's let's kick it off right away with the most important question. You are the president of Fiber. Now, how do you become a president? What does a president do? And overall, for all the listeners, what is Fiber, and how are you different than all the other competitors who are promising the best-in-class monetization? Wow, we're jumping right into it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Just pick one of those three. Uh, let's start with the president. I'm really interested in, in how to become a president. And do you do other than executive orders? Well, let's say that if you are a president that does only executive orders, you're doing something wrong, 
but uh, that's that's not my forte. How how do you end up a president? You know, I, I think we we bring the content into the role that we have. Uh, as president at Interactive, I enjoy doing three things: a product, marketing, and strategy. Those are the three things I really really like and enjoy doing. And you know, as an entrepreneur, I feel like this triangle of product, marketing, and strategy. That's what drives the company forward. So at least the way we are structured at Fiber, Zave, my partner and CEO, he runs all the GNA, the public company, the revenue team, the engineering, and as, as a good friend, I took I take care of the other three parts. So that's that's what being a president is all about. And I'm lucky to work in a company that deals and work with game developers. Um, you know, this week I'm uh, celebrating my 40th birthday. So it's been, it's been a while. If I'm being nostalgic for a second, you know, I grew up playing so many games, uh, you know, point and click quests. And, and, you know, I still get excited working with game developers all the time. Honestly, that's what, you know, keeps me ticking. That's, that's awesome. And listen, you don't look, you don't look day older than 39. I promise the <laughs> president job is treating you really well. <laughs> Hardly any stress, clearly. Um, Let's do it quickly. Yeah. So, so what is, what is, what is fiber? Honestly, like what, what is it? What do you guys do? I mean, look, fiber is a, a is a mediation platform and a monetization and a monetization platform. Uh, for game developers and publishers. What we really, really do is helping publishers monetize their games, right? Um, let's not get too deep into monetization in this session, right? I don't think that's, that's exactly what we want to talk about today. But if I look at Fiber holistically, it's a combination of four companies. We have rich history. Fiber started as sponsor pay, many, many, many years ago uh, and had several iterations and several M&As, several acquisitions. Fiber uh, acquired a company called Falk Realtime, a, a German-based uh, ad server. Fiber acquired a mediation company called Hazap out of San Francisco. And in 2016, Fiber acquired Interactive, the company that Ziv and I uh, co-founded in 2007. So Fiber of Today is really a mix of all those companies together. We took the best of each one to, to build what we believe is the best monetization platform for publishers. But getting all those four companies together into one, that was the tricky part over the last uh, three years. Yeah, yeah, and, you're a, and what makes you also different is you're a public company. Yes, we are a public company. That's interesting when, you know, so a bit of the untold story, when Interactive got acquired by, by Fiber in 2016, we remained a standalone company as Interactive under the Fiber umbrella for about a year. And like you mentioned, Fiber is a public company and we are listed in, in the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. But after a year, um, together with the shareholders, we said, okay, it's going to be more efficient if we'll roll all the companies together. So we also restructured the company. We also restructured the management. And that's when, you know, again, Ziv, my co-founder, stepped up from being the CEO of Interactive to become the CEO of Fiber. And I did the same, 
you know, as president from Interactive to Fiber. And from running an Israeli startup, all of a sudden you run a German public company. And that was quite a change, as you can imagine. Running a public company may come with, you know, some headaches, but it's a strong vehicle. It gives you access to liquidity, gives you access to investors, and it makes you work as you should, you know, organized, clean, and I think it's, it really helped us grow. Luckily, back at Interactive, our CFO came with background from public companies, so we already kind of worked similarly, even as a private company, so the change wasn't that hard for us. All right, let's take a let's take a little bit of a step back. So I listened to uh I listened to the podcast previously on Deconstructor of Fun. It was the long one about app monetization and and it was long. it was it was a long one. and it was actually so long that it got broken towards the end. But all I remember is that Fiber helped wildcards to find these crazy pockets of two hundred dollar uh, CPMs. So that, that's the uh, of ad monetization. That's that's literally the only thing I remember. I was like, two hundred dollars CPM. Who can pay that anyway? So so let's take even a, a further step back and kind of talk about fiber throughout the history. So you said like we know it's a public company. You explained that there's multiple. Uh, so you did multiple different acquisitions and restructuring and and figuring out the business model. And the fact is that you guys haven't you like before you didn't do too great. Like fiber was actually struggling quite a bit. But recently, you have done a lot better. So what I'm interested to hear in this podcast is talk about the, uh, the decline, like how come it was declining. I'm, I'm really interested to hear your, your kind of path of acquiring these different entities in different continents with extremely different cultures. Like I can't even imagine merging Israeli culture with a German culture. They seem to be the opposite. Uh, <laughs> like, and, and, um, and how did you... How did you guys manage, like, what was the path? How did you manage to turn it around and get everybody working together uh, to a point now where you guys are growing like crazy? So what happened and walk me through it. Yeah, so let me tell the story from a, from a personal view uh, because it's all about eventually the people that you work with. So, you know, 2017, Interactive is the last of a series of acquisitions, right? And we've been asked by the shareholders to, to join the management and basically run the team. So all of a sudden, you look at an organization of over 400 people, like you said, different cultures, different countries, different companies, different goals. And the immediate task is to create a shared vision. Like, what is our North Star? All those four companies, and now there is a new management, and oh, they're also Israelis for the most part, not all of them. Uh, how do we, how do we align everyone? And you know what? It takes time. And if there is something I learned from this process is that some things you just cannot accelerate. Okay, it takes time. As a first-time entrepreneur, I remember through the MA, I consulted with other uh, founders who've done it before, and they all told me, look, it's going to take you two to three years to complete and finish the turnaround. And I was like, I can do it in a year. Like, <laughs> you know, why, why one should wait three years? So my first lesson was, you know, it, it does take time. It takes time to get to know all the people. It takes time to understand the real assets you have in the group. 
And you know what? It takes time to take the hard decisions about what is letting, what do you let go and, and leave behind and where do you double down? And honestly, in, in the first like one or two years, there was a decline. The business was reorganizing itself. We did see a decline in some parts of the business. Fiber uh, was extremely strong on, on you know, video mediation back in 2015. And we did lose some of that market in, in 2016 and 2017, absolutely. At the same time, we choose where to double down. And I'm happy to share with you a couple of the questions we asked ourselves, right? For instance, you know, Fiber has three product lines. One of them is the offer wall. Back in 2017, there was a question on the table. Are we going to double down the offer wall or not? And we decided to yes, that we want to, uh, to focus on it. Even though, again, coming from Interactive, that wasn't exactly our expertise, honestly. But, but hey, now it's a new management. So that was like a key decision for us. And we took the time, we built a dedicated team to double down on the offer wall. Another question we had was around mediation. Are we gonna keep the existing mediation tech and try to connect up and fiber and pieces from here and pieces from there? And we took a decision that yes, we're gonna try and connect the two pieces together. And looking back, that wasn't the ideal decision. And, and we lost some time realizing that, hey, we have to scratch everything and build from scratch. Not many people know, my friend, that you know we actually rebuild the mediation from scratch in the last 18 months. Uh, but we did lose some time. So again, my, my, my lesson from all of this is that when you connect so many pieces together, it does take time to understand who is against who and how do we work together and really evaluating all those assets. There are no shortcuts. So when, when you guys, so you joined Fiber through an acquisition, correct? Yes. You were, you were running interactive. Yes. So you're coming in through an acquisition. You probably were the, uh, the smaller company than the, uh, the, the, the ones that acquired you guys. And you're looking at this 400 people organization around the world. Now, a couple of questions around this. You said alignment takes time. How do you, how do you, how do you find the alignment? Because I understand as an entrepreneur, and as you said, like it, you just give me a year. And somebody says like, no, 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 it's two to three years. Like, come on. Give me a year, I'll push this through. But, but you took a different strategy. So I'm, I'm very interested to hear two things. One is, how do you find the alignment? Like, because I'm sure that, that you, you guys are a group of, of entrepreneurs, of people who are really pushing forward, got acquired. You have your own vision of it and you wanna drive that vision through. And driving a vision through is, is opposite of finding an alignment because alignment is watering down your vision so that it feels good to everybody on the same boat uh, with the goal of everybody kind of working towards the same vision rather than overriding others. And then the second part is doubling down. You mentioned a couple of times doubling down. Again, how do you know on what to double down on? You know, is it based on alignment? Like what is it for? So let's start with, with, with alignment. Yeah. Like, how do you find an alignment in practice coming in, coming in as a new person from the other and basically seeing that, well, we came in from the successful companies. You guys don't know shit. Let us tell you how this thing is run. Like that would be the normal attitude, but. Well, that, that, and that wouldn't really work. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I think you have to be humble. You have to 
say out loud, guys, I don't have all the answers, actually. I, I'm not sure I know exactly what to do. And, and finding those champions, finding those people in the organization that becomes your trusted advisors. Hey, I don't know off all. Who in the team here can really teach me and be the, the right-hand guy or gal to, to support the off-wall um, venture, for example? So it's about admitting what you don't know and also admitting that, you know, there could be mistakes or there have been mistakes. That creates true alignment. And you know what? In, in that process, you may lose some people. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to, to get everyone, like you said, uh, to, to join the same vision. And that's why also part of what takes time. And I honestly don't know how you can do it during COVID because we, I like Ziv and myself and other team members, we flew so much in those two, two years. I spent so much time in Berlin, in Tel Aviv, in New York, in London, you know, with all the different teams. It's all about the people. So you're asking me about alignment versus vision. You can't just step in and say, guys, you don't know me, but this is what we're going to do. Good luck. It will break everything. You may see a short-term success and then an immediate decline. So it's about investing the time, creating trust uh, with people who believe and can subscribe to the story. And then you build the building blocks. What it's really you, about... Yeah. What is, the, what is the mental model when, when you're doing this? Because again... Um, looking at from the um, from the perspective of a founder, uh, perspective of a, of a business leader, sure, there's a lot of people who could say like, yeah, I'm here to listen. But for real, they're like, all right, I'm going to listen for you for a while and I'm going to pretend that I'm going to listen to you. But guys, I have the vision, so I'm here only to sell my vision. I can listen to, to you. And I'm, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the times it feels like the, the leadership is pretending to listen because they have their vision already set and they just can't wait till they get to execute. So they're, they're, they're doing this hundred days waiting game. Uh, I'm just going to see the lay of the land. So, so what I'm, what I'm trying to understand is like, as you travel and, and you try to meet with everybody and, and have that talk, like, how do you, how do you change your mental model from hard execution, which where it normally is all the time to like, hey, I'm going to be open to all kinds of ideas and I'm going to try to understand this. Like, how do you, how do you keep that mental model for a long time? It's not easy. You, you, you know, the biggest difference between, a, let's say, a founder like you, who just raised a bunch of money and goes out and starts to hire people, you know, people that you hire, choose to join your company, choose to subscribe to your vision. So they come in, you know, day one, I want to be here. What's the plan? When you merge four companies together, you have a group of people that were kind of sucked into that situation. So the mental uh, state is very different. Uh, and I think what works here are small winnings. Small wings, right? You want to show the team that, you know, hey, we are making progress. Look, we won here. Look, this part is actually working. Hey, we tried it. It didn't work. We are pulling back. We're not afraid of admitting that, you know, some, some steps were the wrong one. It's not easy, and that's why it takes time. And some people will give you a second chance, and some people will say, hey, you know what? This new management, they know shit, and they may leave. And you need to work with the people who actually want to be part of that story. Mm. And you have to realize it's not going to be 100%. Last year, 2020, 
was the year with the lowest churn uh, on headcount that Fiber ever saw. Because we have a group of people, you know, bunch of uh, people like from old Fiber, old Interactive, et cetera, and people who joined recently. And now it's like a startup, like everyone knows exactly what we have to do. Mm-hmm. But wasn't the case in 2017 or 2018. That's part mm-hmm. of the process. One, one interesting piece. So I've, I've been in a couple of companies that, well, not actually in one company that had a couple of turnarounds, one successful and one unsuccessful. So I'm not going <laughs> to name the company, but let's say just their stock is soaring at the moment. It's a gaming company. Um, nice. At one turnaround, they had a new CEO, very experienced person. Uh, he, he didn't bring a lot of people with him. He kind of came in and, and, um, and was setting a new strategy and so forth and, and working towards the goal that, you know, after a couple of three years, it didn't work out. As the new CEO came in, he actually brought his team of lieutenants. And together with that team of lieutenants, they were able to make quite fast of a progress. Now, what I'm trying to ask here is, um, I'm not saying that one model is better than the other, um, but it kind of leads to this, this note that I wrote that you said is like some people had to be changed and you found the champions inside the companies. So with the model of you, well, not you, with the model that, that the CEO arrives with his group of lieutenants, that's an execution team. Like they, they came in, they know, they work together for a decade. They know what they're going to do. They're not here to listen. They're here to take names and kick ass. And either you're on board or you're off the board. And, and, and kind of like, what was, what was your approach? Cause you had your own team. Like you mentioned, you, you guys have worked together. Was that the same type of model where you had that core group? So you had the people who you could talk to. Uh, who you could discuss the strategy, who you could discuss the frustrations with, and then kind of like, you know, blow your steams and come back again and, and find alignment? Or um, or was it more of this type of, a, you know, lonely warrior trying to, to turn around and doesn't know around who to trust? Yeah, it's it's a good question because if I look at the, the management team of uh, Fiber now in the, the, the last three years, there were changes, right? New CFO, new CRO, so it wasn't like people didn't come and go. Mm-hmm. Same time, let's not forget any business, especially a public company, we are here to deliver. We are here to show results. We are here to finish the turnaround and kick ass. Okay, so, and that's what the, the people are expecting eventually. Yes, mm-hmm. we want alignment and the North Star, but hey, we want to win. So, yes, it was very important to have a this shared view between shareholders, the board, the management, which was your question, and then the people, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone on the team. I think the fact that, uh, you know, Ziv, myself, uh, and later on, you know, if it's the CTO and product who came from Interactive, work together for such a long time, it definitely helped us, uh, you know, push things through. Yes, absolutely. So in your example, I, I'm not sure if it's the, exactly the lieutenant example, but you want to have a team that knows how to work together fast. People who know each other, their strengths, their weaknesses. I don't need so many words with Ziv or our city or Gal to, to make sure we are on the same page. Yes. So it's a, it's, it's a very good point. Just be careful if this thing is too aggressive and doesn't listen and only listen to itself internally, that's where you can lose actually good people 
who want to be part of the game, but no one listens to them. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's why that, that was a good point where you mentioned about the North star. So what was your North star when, when you guys started? Was it like, I just want to hear, like, is it complicated or is it simple North star? Like what, what did you guys align the, uh, the company around? So, you know, we, we aligned the company around on first building a profitable business because fiber wasn't profitable for many, many years. And coming from Interactive and, you know, also our mentality is, hey, guys, we, we have to build a profitable business and it comes with maybe tough decisions, where to invest, where you don't invest, how you spend your money. You know, that was like number one. Guys, we're going to build a profitable business. It's not going to happen overnight. Second alignment. Fiber had, back then, pockets of traffic, different type of publishers. Uh, if it's like, you know, lock screens and, and different apps that we said, as new management, we said, this is not how we view the business. We have to be, you know, we have to focus on gaming, the right publishers. Let's, let's, let's make sure that this is what we do. And we looked at the business and, you know, a couple of tens of millions of dollars were coming from pockets of traffic that we didn't like. So one of the very first decisions we took as management was to stand in front of the board that just nominated us as new members and say, hey, guys, there are a couple of tens of millions of dollars here that we're going to cut in, in, in just, you know, 30 to 60 days. FYI, <laughs> you're going to see it in the reports. Uh, but this is the right thing to do. This is the North Star. This is what we this is what we believe, and this is why you got us here. That was a tough decision. Mm-hmm. Imagine yourself standing in front of your board and cutting a significant source of revenue because that doesn't match your vision. Uh, now it wasn't fault or anything. Just it wasn't the type of publishers we are going after. Yeah, yeah. Those those actions again. That's what connect the people around you. You, you asked me before what kind of actions and, and, and mental state, when people see that you don't just talk, but you take actions, that's where they, you know, they, they jump on the wagon and say, okay, I want to be part of it. We are doing the right things as a team. It's like the, uh, what you do is who you are <laughs> from that book. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you just talk and the actions are in there, people won't follow. No, and no they should. So, so how did you know what to double down on? Was that sort of a, I mean, I, I like the North Star because the North Star is, is profitable business and that is clear enough and vague enough, meaning it's clear enough that people understand what is the ultimate goal, but vague enough is there's no, there's no strategy or tactics how to get there and it's up for people to decide, but they understand what they're going after for. So it doesn't mean cost cutting necessarily. It doesn't mean increase in sales necessarily. Uh, it could be both, but you know, you know what I mean. We we know we talked before the recording that we want to keep it around uh, like leadership and an example. So I want to be transparent on that front. I'll give you a couple of examples on where do we double down and what kind of questions you ask yourself. So what is Fiber's vision? Fiber's vision is to be that independent leading monetization platform for mobile uh, games and publishers. So independent is a key word. So in the last three years, we asked ourselves a couple of times, are we going to build an ad network? Are we going to enter the publishing business? 
which is if you look around us, become very common. And we decided not to. We said the vision is to be an independent platform for publishers, meaning our interests are completely aligned with the publisher. And that's it. It's a decision. And from that decision, you decide where to double down. And every year you ask yourself, am I committed to that decision? And the answer should be yes. And if not, let's open it up. Mm. So for several years now, people know, okay, we work at Fiber. We are this independent platform. We will never compete with anyone from our uh, publishers, for example. So once you took that decision, and that's the North Star, I remember that in uh, 2018, uh, I'm sorry, 2019, middle of the year, we said, okay, it's time to decide. Are we going to double down on solving UA programmatically? Some, you know, it's typically on the ad network side. So can we make it work programmatically via RTB and DSPs and all of that stuff we will not talk about today? If so, let's commit, let's commit a year. Let's make it happen. Because the other option was to go after, you know, other ventures. And we said, no, we're going to solve UA programmatically. No matter how long it will take, it's part of the vision. It supports us being independent. Let's do it. And it took us more than a year. But look at 2020. I mean, most of the success we see today is because of that decision in the middle of 2019. And, and again, I think for if you run a business or if you run a team, you need to find those one or two key questions that if you ask, if you answer them correctly, it will change your business. That was one of them. That's, that's really important that you have this sort of a thing. It's like, what is our core? core like, I don't know if you could call it core competence, uh, but, but more like a core, I don't know, what, what do you call it? It's not a core value or a core competence. It's more like... Um, it's, what, it's, a, it's a set of beliefs, okay? Yeah. Without being too philosophical, like I meet, you know, a founders, right? First-time founders or people who just started their, their business. Even I do some, you know, we do some angel investment now. And... You see great people with great product and you talk about, about go to market, which is in, in another way asking, what's the plan? What do you believe in? Like, uh, and you can immediately see founders who say, okay, I know what I want to achieve. I know what I believe in mm-hmm. and I will never like skew left or right. Versus people who say, okay, I, I, I found some kind of a solution to a problem. Now let's see where I'm taking it. It's, it's the same idea. You have to understand where you're going. It's okay to make changes, right? But you need to have some kind of a direction. Yeah. Which one? So I remember I, I did an interview with Anton Galfin, CEO of Huge Games. And um, I don't know if he talked in that interview or was the, the one with, he did with Joachim. I think it was that one on, he did on Lead Game Developers. So anyways, he said um, he was kind of describing his own startup journey to a point where he is now. And what he said, which resonated with me really well is, as a startup, like in his belief, you can't really have these lofty goals and visions. You, you're going to market, like go to market is your key. And only after a certain while you can really establish, you know, you know what? I think we're this, I think this is what we're important. And at the same time, like, cause I see both like in a, you know, being, being associated as well, doing some angel investing and so forth. There are companies that have these lofty goals and I'm like, there's three of you. I get it. This is a really nice goal, but 
relax. Let's get let's let's put the product on the market before we. No, I mainly invest in, in games before we challenge Blizzard. You know, let's just take a mm -hmm. thirty years. You've been three months. Let's relax a little bit and focus on the first game. Look, absolutely. I think it's it's how to find product market fit. You know, so early in the game, and and that can change several times. Uh, but you asked before, like, is it like the, the core competency or values? You you are looking also, you know, as a customer or a partner mm. at a team that believe in something and, and you believe them that they know what they're doing, right? Like they care about, they are passionate about it. I mean, you want to work with them. I, you know the it's more like who we are. It who says we are. It, that's, that's really the, the answer, like who we are. But, but uh, it's also you're in a position where you have to answer who you are because you're so big and you're so successful and you have your competitors who are big and successful. And, and that's why it's important to, to have that answer rather than saying like, we monetize better <laughs> or, or our network is larger. <laughs> and you know what, and, and again, relating to, to the uh, podcast you mentioned before with uh, Joss and, and Sophia, I think publishers today they do look behind the CPM. They want to know with whom they are working, right? Yeah. Who is this? What do they care about? Of course, if you don't deliver, then we have a problem. We're all here to make money. But but who are you, like you said? It's a very important question. And that's why being independent for us at Fiber, in our example, was always key. Mm. And it's going to change. It's, okay. But I, I, I buy that. Um, let's talk about what did you learn from, from this from this part process? So, what I mean by that is like, what was the hardest when executing this turnaround? And what was the, um, the surprising thing, you know, what, that, that he didn't expect, good or bad? It's a really good question. And I'll, t I'll tell you, I'll tell you not, you know, I, I saw your questions before and, and that's where I spent most of my time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good exercise. <laughs> What I learned the most, the most from this turnaround is you have to take the time and you have to build the right team around you. It's super important. Uh, starting a turnaround process without the right people around you will cost you time, will make you take the wrong uh, decisions because you're trying to satisfy people and, and nothing good may come out of it. So making sure that you build a team around you, that you take the time to find the right people internally in the organization, if it's like a, a big merger like we had, or externally, and putting those people in the right decisions, in the right positions uh, to take decisions. So that's, that's my very first takeaway. Mm. Have the right people in the right places and, and take your time doing it. The second one is answer a few important questions. At the beginning, we said, okay, let's build this amazing platform, this super sophisticated platform. And we've spent so much time designing things that were crazy. And you know what? We weren't looking at the, 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 the two important questions like independency, like focusing on, on, on UA programmatically. And if you don't really, as, as a leader, if you don't force your team to say to stop and say, guys, what are we trying to answer? Simply down for me, you end up building grandiose products that nobody really needs. That's the second takeaway. I think if, it's, if you're a small startup or a big one, 
just make sure you're asking the right questions to focus the team. What surprised me the most? That's a good one. Mm. Um, you know, it may sound... Uh, so what surprised me the most? When you build a company and you grow fast, and again, it's, it's different if you're a, a, a small startup or a big organization, you always look to hire and you look outside to find great talent and more people to join. And it's very important. When we looked at Fiber, all the four companies are turned into one. We found amazing talent inside Fiber that just wasn't utilized properly. People that once you opened up the, the gate, it told me, hey, now you own this. Go and do it. It's amazing what came out of it. So sometimes you have amazing people in your own organization, but, but they can't fulfill their, their potential because of structure or because of, you know, a managerial constraints or whatever that be. And it's amazing how much more you can do with the same people or even less people if they are better organized. In, 20, in late 2018, we, we, we changed the organization of product and engineering, which enabled us to ship products so much faster. And I was surprised how with the same amount of people, but different structure, you are so much more efficient. It's amazing. So it's not always about looking for the outside and hiring those most expensive people with amazing resumes. Sometimes you, you have all the right people under your nose, you just don't see it. How do you, okay, so I marked this down. So building a right team around you taking the, and taking the time to find the right people um, asking the right questions. So probably asking the right questions with, in part with the vision. So profitability, mm -hmm. then you ask the questions around, will this help us to, to become profitable? Does it help us to cut the cost? Does it help us to be more efficient and so forth? And then what I wrote here is hidden gems. So people, <laughs> I don't know if that's, 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 that's the way to, to put it, but here's the question. It's easy to say like, well, you just need to organize better. You just need to find the hidden gems. That's really hard. How do you know how to like, uh, well, you've probably served in the military as well. Uh, so, uh, and the military has a very simplistic system. It's a, at least in, in the military that I went to, uh, people voted who they want, who would be the person they would uh, be in command of in, in the group of, of, a, of a 10, 10 soldiers they would just vote on one person. And through that, we knew that that, that person usually got enough points to move to the, uh, to the officer school or whatever it is. And we always did these kind of tests. How do you do that type of testing in an organization? Like, how do you know who is that person that other, others would follow? Who's that really, who's the, who's the monster? Who's the savage in the company? So, okay, so it's funny you bring up the, uh, the, the, the army example. So I think the Israeli army is one of the, maybe the only, where a, a junior a junior ranked soldier can approach a lieutenant and 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 speak to his face and tell him exactly what he thinks and 
Lezant will maybe shout, ba- shout back and say, you know, shut up, but he will then listen. Okay, so what happened in fiber is that, you know, Ziv and I, we just sat down with engineers, product managers, account executives, and we just said, okay, we asked them what works, what doesn't work, just, you know, tell us, don't just speak up. And, and, and that's how you find those gems. You sit with an engineer and you see someone in front of you, you know, bright, passionate, head full of ideas. And you ask yourself, is this guy in the right position? Maybe, maybe this person, maybe she should be a leader now and take more control because she knows what she has to do. So throughout those conversations with literally everyone in the organization, where you come really, again, humble, you're saying, hey, I'm really, I'm here to listen, not to speak, not to dictate the vision, like we said before, but that's how we realize that, you know, hey, our product and engineering structure is, is, is not ideal. It's, it's not broken, but it wasn't optimized. It came from the actual, you know, people in the teams, not from, not from the management. I think what you're raising is a really important point. So again, being at a, at a successful organization, the less successful ones, what's usually been in the less successful ones when they try to do a turnaround. So I'm just reflecting based on what you said. What I noticed is in those companies, the leadership focuses a lot on strategy work. They go on offsite to think about strategy, mm-hmm. to talk about strategy. And they never talk to the troops. They don't talk to the front line. They focus on like, hey, let's bring the, uh, the head of that division, the head of this division, maybe a consultant. And if that is not working, maybe we should re- change our values because people are, are forgetting how to win. So let's change our values. And, and never do they do the hard groundwork of actually going to the teams and asking them, hey, what's, what's up? Like, let's discuss this, let's discuss that. And being actually open instead of like a like a reviewer or, a, or a, you know, the general approach. But, but yeah, I, I, now, now that kind of comes together because you said you traveled so much, you met with everybody, sat with everybody. And actually that's the key takeaway is through that you were able to understand better what's happening on the ground level. And that helps you to reorganize the function so that things become more efficient. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Now that you are reflecting, you, you, you help me remember. Yeah. And it's funny. I'm not sure it's exactly how it started, but uh, again, sometimes in uh, late 2018, because we have so many offices and I'm here in San Francisco, uh, we had an, an engineer, a product manager, an account executive here doing like a, a roadshow with, uh, with publishers and customers. And they came from, uh, some from Tel Aviv, some from Berlin. And at the end of a very long day, I invited the team to my house and we had dinner, you know, with my wife and the kids. We, we had a nice uh, barbecue and, and we drank some Arak. And towards the end of the evening, I mean, we had some fun, we drink a bit. And one of the guys said, you know, we should really change the way we work in the product team. I think if we'll do this and this, which was a different structure, we can be so much efficient. Look how much fun we had today. An engineer, a PM, an account executive going to meetings together. And, and you know, it was said like as, a, as an afterthought. Imagine this would be the structure. You, you talk about hidden gem. This was like an eureka moment. Why, why shouldn't we do that? It actually makes a lot of sense. So sometimes we need a couple of, you know, Arak uh, shots together with a nice meal. Uh, to, and, and again, it comes from the people who actually, you know, 
not from the, the, the management sitting apparently in the, in the offices. So, so th- that's why you find those gems. Yeah, it, it's not it's not the arak, it's not the alcohol. It's really the uh, it's really the hours that you put in listening exactly. to people and spending the time with them, uh, and that's, it's about, that's yeah, yeah. It's about people being really honest and like shedding the, the layers. Okay, let's let's talk. It's not like and I'm talking to the to the manager. Let's talk about it. Absolutely, yes. It's being real. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. That that ties everything together. So. <laughs> So there's so there's things that you learned that are really important. So what would you do differently? Like if you knowing what you know now, would you just do everything faster uh, because you knew they're not, or would you do something differently? Um. So I, I I feel like you know we did a couple of mistakes and looking back, saying that we could avoid them, it, it's hard. For instance, again we did try. Uh, at the beginning to build this really big pod that can connect everything together, which was a mistake. We, 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 we tried to run too fast. Again, as I said, give me a year. That was a mistake, right? So I would definitely do it differently. I would definitely, you know, take the, the, the first year, not to rush things forward, but to better understand, making sure we have the right team, making sure we found all, found all those gems. Um, I would definitely change the first year. I would I would listen to the advice I was given, and I wouldn't try to do everything in, in you know and finish everything in a year. Um, that's definitely what I would change. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So just be more more calculated. More calculated. Yes. All right. So let's let's finish it off talking about the vision. What is fiber in five years? Are you still independent, or is this something that you review every year? Um, and, um, you know, industry moving with IDFA deprecation, we've got the mixed media models coming in, all the cross-platform trends. What is the role of fiber in five years in this industry? It's, it's a crazy industry. Everything, like every, every potential boundary or border has been crossed. Uh, but I think our vision will not change if it's three or five or seven years. We want to be a, an independent platform that keeps building the best solutions for publishers. And I think we can do it by listening to and working with our publishers, um, ship the right things that they need. Just like, you know, you listen to, to your team members, you listen to your, to your publishers. Um, and if we keep doing so and publishers choose to work with Fiber because of who we are, like you said before, that's that's how I feel that you know we we follow the vision. We don't have to find shortcuts. We don't have to do, you know, anything else. But keep supporting the growth of our publishers. And if you do it right, it's endless. Because hey, we are in the gaming business, and it's so much fun, and it's not going away. And people enjoy playing games. And you know, for as long as it happens with or without IDFA or without attribution. It doesn't matter. I'm not gonna go back to read the, the newspaper. Yeah, Fiber will be there. <laughs> All right, that's that's clear. Um, offer there's um, a lot of learnings that you that you shared here. I learned a lot, uh, and especially kind of like learning during the podcast, mm-hmm. kind of like re reassessing what you said and bringing things together. So I think the key key learnings for me was was definitely around doing more of the groundwork of listening to the people uh, because it's so easy to take a step back and 
and never be on the tactical level, always be on strategic level. Always trying to, you know, always talk to your buddies who are the other leads in the company uh, or whatever, and, and kind of like not, not really listening to what's happening on the front line. So I think that was, that was a kind of like the key, key thing that, that I'm going to take out of this. Um, how much fiber has actually, what's your growth currently? I think it's public. Like um, how much have you improved uh, quarter we, over quarter? We grew 76% in 2020. And I think the guidance we get for this year is about 30 something percent, but you know, let's see what happens. Double digit. So double digit. So it pays to listen to, to the people that you work with. Always. <laughs> well, on, on that note, I think we can end the podcast and um, hope this was really as useful for others as it was useful for me. So thanks was fun. so much for sharing. And thank you for the questions. It really helps, you know, sharpen the way I look at things. Thank you so much. No worries. Of course. Till next time. Till next time. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>